0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. When I was a young Jewish kid in public schools, I always looked forward to our winter concerts. I loved singing Christmas songs and loved the chance to be part of the festive holly jolly season that all of so many of my classmates celebrated. My schools usually made an attempt to include a Hanukkah song somewhere in the program, which I appreciated. But then they'd re- announce which song we'd be singing, that great Hanukkah masterpiece, I Have a Little Dreidel. You know, I had a little dreidel, I made it out of clay. Really? Seven-year-old me would whine. Cue the melodramatic groan and eye roll. There's nothing inherently wrong with the dreidel song, and I am certainly not here to bash it from the pulpit. Too late, yeah, great. <laughs> but I will say that... It's kind of the lowest common denominator of Hanukkah songs. I imagine that elementary school music teachers chose I Have a Little Dreidel because it's easy for kids to memorize. It's in English, it has a repetitive melody, and it's a song about a toy. Who doesn't like toys? But I remember talking with my non-Jewish friends as we learned that song and going up to them after class and saying something like, So, that song is about a holiday that my family and I celebrate. What did you learn about Hanukkah from singing it? (laughs) One friend responded, like, I guess Hanukkah is, like, about clay (laughs) and winning at games. There is the groan and the eye roll moment again. So here's the thing that's bugged me since elementary school. It really meant a lot to me that my minority religion and my culture were going to be acknowledged. But anytime we're reaching into another person's culture, we need to be really intentional about why and how we're doing it. Why commemorate Hanukkah in secular and multi-faith settings? I say we honor Hanukkah because we want to learn from the wisdom of all of our world's religions, because we want there to be space for all religions, or if you're in the religion biz, you might phrase it as, because we're resisting Christian hegemony, because we want to celebrate alongside our neighbors and to know them better. But we also commemorate it to be in solidarity Especially in times like these where anti-semitism and xenophobia seem to be pretty loud in the public sphere. And how to acknowledge Hanukkah or any holiday from a culture not our own? With curiosity. With a desire to understand and appreciate its story and its customs. Knowing that sometimes these values might be different from the ones we ourselves might hold dear. We honor these festivals in relationship, inviting people to share with us firsthand their experience of the holiday rather than imposing our own agenda upon it. So, my spiritual family, I would love to share Hanukkah with you. To me, especially thinking about it this year, Hanukkah is about telling the tale of freedom fighters rising up against oppression It's about lighting up the dark with a light that continues to grow. It's about being generous with each other and playful with each other, including playing with dreidels. Menorahs or Hanukkiahs are traditionally lit in the evening, but for the sake today of being able to celebrate the holiday together, we're going to light them this morning too. The words that we sing the blessings for the hanukkah candles are printed in your order of service in hebrew and in english i'm going to invite you to sing along to the hebrew words as best you can the church is a perfection-free zone fear not and then we'll say the english translations together as we light the candles so let's go
1: She kedish B'mitzvotav V'Tziv'anu vote this even you le hardly knell olam Nisim lavo teenu bayamim ha hazman hazeb. Baruch Hata Adosham Eloke no Olam She. And let's say together in
0: English. Blessed are you, source of all, who brings moments of holiness to our lives through the ritual of lighting the Hanukkah lights. Blessed are you, source of all, who brings our attention to miracles from ages past to this very moment. Blessed are you, source of all, who has given us life, sustained us, and brought us to this very moment.
2: This song tells a true story of what happened in Billings, Montana, some years back. When the Klan came to Montana, they made no grand parade. No hooded knights on horseback, no banners boldly raised. Hate mail and bomb threats, midnight telephone calls. White power swastikas spray-painted on the walls. Five-year-old Isaac woke screaming in the gloom Mommy, there's a man at my window looking into my room Son, there's nothing out there but shadows, branches make The little boy went back to sleep, his parents lay awake For Isaac's bedroom window showed their faith for all to see The candles of the menorah stood for hope and memory Next night, out of the darkness, a cinder block was hurled. It shattered Isaac's window and the boundaries of his world. One moment of conviction, one voice quiet and clear, one act of compassion, it all begins here. No safety now in silence, we've got to stand our ground. No hate, no violence, not in our town the cop was not unfriendly he said ma'am if i were you i'd take down that menorah the star of david too isaac's mother tammy said i'm sure that's good advice but how then could i ever look my children in the eye then at their doorway a little girl did stand gift for her schoolmate in her outstretched hand a menorah drawn in crayon from a gentile to a jew it read to isaac from rebecca i'm sorry this happened to you one moment of conviction one voice quiet and clear one act of compassion it all begins here no safety now in silence we've got to stand our ground no hate no violence not in our town have you seen the papers did you hear the news what kind of children are what kind of people are we we thought we knew can children primed in prejudice in peace together dwell if we look through this shattered glass, do we see ourselves? Margaret MacDonald called her pastor on the phone. This time the Jews will not face their foes alone. We'll make paper menorahs, display them from our homes. We'll show the bigots there are more of us than they have stone. Shopkeepers printed up Menorahs by the score Children in their Sunday schools Colored dozens more Though in the town of Billings Live not 100 Jews Menorahs now are everywhere On every avenue Through the drifting snow Tammy drove her children round Menorahs by the thousands In the windows of the town Are all those people? Jewish, asked Isaac as they went. No, his mother answered, they are your friends. One moment of conviction, one voice quiet and clear, one act of compassion, it all begins here. No safety now in silence. We've got to stand our ground, no hate. No violence, not in our town, no hate, no violence, not in our town, no hate, no violence, not in our town.
3: This might surprise you, but as a child I was pretty ambivalent about church until I went to my first candlelit Christmas Eve service. I couldn't believe that I, a child, who was so rarely trusted with anything delicate or dangerous, was handed my very own candle. When the light was passed to me, I remember the thrill of holding a flame for the first time, the warm glow of the light, holding it carefully so it didn't touch anyone's hair around me. (laughs) Having a candle was a big responsibility for a small child. As we sang Silent Night, I felt the warm wax drip on my fingers. In that moment, I felt so connected to each person around me as we held our candles, singing barely louder than a whisper. It was a holy moment. Even in the years of my life when I did not attend church at all, I always returned for the Christmas Eve service. Once I got my license, I drove myself. Holding a candle, lighting it from the flame of an old friend or stranger, and singing what always felt more like a lullaby than a carol, I received what my spirit needed every year. Sometimes my throat was so tight with emotion, with gratitude, with sorrow, with joy, that I couldn't sing at all. I just held my candle. We say Merry Christmas, wishing each other a holiday of joy and happiness. But this season is so much more than joy and happiness. In my work as a hospital chaplain, I meet people every day who aren't feeling very merry at all this time of year. No matter what time of year it is, life goes on and we have moments of loss, change, and righteous anger, even at Christmas. In worship each week we share our joys and sorrows, we commit to being together, to share all that we are feeling. Why should Christmas be any different? My hope this year is that wherever you are on Christmas Eve, you can be exactly who you are, you can feel exactly what you feel. The candle you hold is yours for whatever you need it to be this year. We share the flame passing it around the room, but the candle you hold is yours. As you look at the lights around you, May you remember that we each hold our own candle. We each have our own life that we are living. Together, we make a beautiful light.
4: When people learn that I am a Floridian living in Boston, the first thing they always say is, how do you survive those winters? And I tell them, you know, the cold isn't so bad, but the darkness really gets me. (laughs) Dusk falling at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it just confounds me every single day this time of year. I may be grumpy about the short days of winter, But I take comfort that I am in good company with our ancestors. For thousands of years, people have celebrated holidays around the winter solstice to remember that the light always follows the darkness and to welcome the return of the sun. We are in the midst of a season filled with festivals of light And each world religion has their own sacred traditions for illuminating the darkness. What a testament to the invincibility of the human spirit that we are wired to be a light in each other's lives. The wisest among us don't just bide their time waiting for the return of the light but revel in the darkness as a season rich with gifts of the spirit. Embracing the darkness helps us connect with the cycle of life and the rhythms of the natural world. Darkness is an invitation to get quiet and to turn inward. I love the idea of the season calling us to interrupt our busy routines, slow down, rest deeply. When we are plunged into darkness, we call on a different set of senses to navigate our way. What might we learn by exploring the depths of the unknown and listening with a new intensity to the world around us, and to the inner voice inside. We begin Advent by reflecting on hope, because this season of darkness is ultimately one of possibility. Preparing for the return of the light is an opportunity to meditate on what has been and what will be. As we approach the winter solstice this week, may we cultivate the darkness like rich soil, waiting to nurture the seeds of our new dreams. Happy solstice and amen.
5: The photo was posted three years ago. The woman is wearing a pink and white blouse. The man is clean-shaven, smiling. And here are their dogs. It's a family photo. They look happy. His name is Johnny Bobbitt. The last time his Facebook page was updated was a year and a half ago. And then something went terribly wrong. Now there's another photo of Johnny. It ran in newspapers across the country last month. He is unrecognizable. A huge bushy beard sticks out from under the hood of his slicker. He is gaunt. His eyes are downcast. He's not smiling. He lives with two other guys in Philly, maybe under an overpass, maybe in an alley. Johnny Bobbitt is homeless and destitute. Miraculously, that's not the whole story. Driving on Interstate 95 with the gaslight on, Kate McClure was hoping she could make it to a filling station when she ran out of luck. She pulled onto a dark exit ramp, pulled over as far as she could. It was not a great neighborhood. Heart pounding, she got out of the car to head off in search of fuel. Johnny Bobbitt sits on the side of the road there every day, holding a sign. What was he doing there, still up at 11 o'clock at night? He told Kate to get back into the car and lock the doors. Minutes later, he returned with a red can. He'd used his last $20 to buy gas so Kate could get home safely. She didn't have any cash on her, but he didn't ask to be repaid. That's not the whole story either. Over the next few weeks, Kate went back to Johnny's spot and repaid him for the gas. She gave him a jacket, gloves, a hat, warm socks, and every time she sees him, she gives him a few dollars. Every time she talks with him, she wants to help him more. One day, she brought him a box of cereal bars. The first thing he said was, do you want one? Another time, she brought him two convenience store gift cards and a case of water. He said, I can't wait to show the guys. Kate could feel his heart. Johnny grew up in North Carolina. An old friend from home says he was a talented paramedic, smart enough to be a doctor. But he ran into problems with drugs. Johnny says, yeah, tell me about bad luck. But don't get me wrong, I'm here because of my own decisions. I have no one to blame but myself. Then he made that one good decision, that wildly generous $20 decision. And everything changed. Kate and her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico, started a GoFundMe page for Johnny with a goal of $10,000, first and last month's rent and some expense money. Kate wrote, with a place to be able to clean up every night and get a good night's sleep, his life can get back to normal. All Johnny needs is one little break. By Thanksgiving, he had it. Donations had exceeded a quarter of a million dollars. Kate and Mark have set up Johnny in a hotel until they find him permanent housing. On Thanksgiving Day, Mark bought Johnny a computer. Johnny is eager to start over. But he says the money they've raised is well more than he'll take. He's excited to donate the rest to a good cause let every heart prepare
3: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would
0: love to hear from you via email at office at or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website,
3: ASCBoston.org.